your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. The guy just said it, I know. It's muscle memory, I'm just always doing it. This is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Adam Murphy is on with me. I'm just going to call you the uh, our blow our, our just another blowhard. You're going to come on the radio, and we're just going to blow hard, Adam. How's that? How's that work for a description? <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> radio blowhards, uh, muck it up. I we're going to muck it up. Everybody, they're wrong. Yeah, muck it with an M, not an F. There, mucking it up. Uh, right. Again, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you have, if you have questions, so Adam Murphy, he he was running for Senate, and then uh, I think you just your pockets weren't deep enough. I, I'm just going to say your pockets weren't deep enough, and therefore uh, you had to jump out of the race. But you you could, I mean, is that pretty pretty accurate, Adam? That's certainly a reasonable statement. You know, Mandela Barnes raised six million. I wasn't doing a ton of fundraising. I figured that we had the possibility of people directly. And you know, when you get outspent thirty to one, uh, yeah, it's kind of brutal. Yeah, uh, and, and as, as we have news yesterday of like Governor Evers raising ten some million dollars in the race, and uh, you know, I'm I'm worried. I'm not worried. I mean, all this money being thrown around in politics is a little worrisome, but the uh, the state Supreme Court's going to have a race uh, coming up a couple, is it next year or is it, two, I think it's next year, right? And I, I just wonder how much money yeah, is going to get through. Because yeah. it's that one seat, right, that swings from, uh, you know, because we have a, <laughs> from liberal to conservative or conservative to liberal. It's that one seat that every 10 years we, we have a state Supreme Court uh you know their their term runs out so i i'm predicting a tr- a trillion dollars i think a trillion dollars are going to that race no, just... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's going to be a ton i mean the last one uh where uh Jill Krofsky won i don't know what the numbers were but i think it was at least a couple million per side in an april 2019 race right uh just uh uh, you know, a, a non-presidential year, a spring election, and there was a ton of money. And uh, and with the, you know, quite frankly, with the GOP doing everything they can across the country, and including the United, uh, including Wisconsin, to try to steal the election, um, which is what they're working on doing actively, um, that seat is going to be hugely important. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The GOP is trying. I feel like the Democrats stole the election, Adam. That is what we, that is what happened. Um, Clearly. I want to, and man, we could do a whole show on that. I don't, I don't really want to do that one, but it's Amazon Prime Day, which is actually two days. Yesterday was Prime Day. Today is Prime Day. Uh, All my emails are about Prime Day. And then all the other stores are talking about how they're doing Black Friday in July to coincide with Prime Day. Uh, how much prime shopping are you doing? Do you feel itchy when when stuff like this happens? <laughs> Especially now, like the inflation numbers come out on the day on the last day of Amazon Prime Day. It seems kind of funny. <laughs> uh, I think Amazon delivered eight boxes to my house today. I'm sorry to say. Oh boy, <laughs> uh, including a yeah. I, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. So uh, in, including a, uh, a, a I don't even know that a pizza peel for my uh, we were given a. Uh, wood-fired pizza oven for Christmas, and so I had to get a pizza peel that I can move the pizza around because I've been turning those to ash for the last few days. So that arrived today. 
via Amazon. I admit it. All right. Well, I mean, but what's funny too, and I'll, I'll admit, I, I, I go, I'll check it out. I haven't bought anything on Amazon, but the website's kind of terrible. So, I mean, if you know what you want, you can go find it. But if you're just trying to shop and see what kind of deals are out there on Prime Day, like, I'm just like, wow, this website is like worse than any uh, any of the other stores' websites. How does how is this the biggest company in the world? Because they sell everything. When I just when I went to look for the stupid pizza peel, there must have been 18 different options, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Right. Because um, well, the thing about the, the thing you know, about every small business under the sun is on there too. Well, that's the that's the one thing I, I wonder about with Amazon is you know we want to go after and and there's a tweet today from Dan Price who's like a CEO and out in I believe in Seattle. He said, mm-hmm. Amazon's quarterly yep. profits doubled in the last year to $14 billion, and Jeff Bezos got $22 billion richer in the pandemic. At the same time, Amazon employees are among the top recipients of food stamps and Medicaid, and the company has received $4.3 billion in subsidies for warehouses. Uh, they're, already, they're already getting your taxpayer money. They don't need any more of it. Um, and we can go after, you know, all things Amazon like that. But on the flip side, I think a lot of small businesses take advantage of being able to go, oh, I could put my thing on Amazon and sell it there. Uh, it, it, should we feel bad about that? Or is there a better is there a better way to, for small businesses to get out there? Is Amazon uh, bilking them somehow as well? I'm sure, you know, Amazon is obviously making a profit, don't get me wrong, and and off of small businesses as well. But if you're increasing your sales 100%, 200%, 300%, you can afford to make a smaller profit margin. That's the whole point of growth, right? So I, I go back and forth on Amazon, and, and same thing, you know, the Walmarts of the world. I think you're, you're fourth right now with I, eight I, boxes coming to your house. Right, right. I mean, uh, I do it all the time. I have standard regular deliveries because my offices are here, too, my employees. So we have stuff that is just delivered monthly automatically from Amazon because it's easier. And we can look at it from a business perspective. Uh, There was the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Listen, don't spend your time and your effort doing stuff that you don't need to do, which includes, no offense, running out and shopping for, you know, toilet paper and paper towel. Um, that's a waste of my time. That's a waste of my employees' time. Um, and so I, I really do. I go, I go back and forth. You know, Amazon has been paying their employees more. I'm down here in the Milwaukee area. We've got, uh, you know, an Amazon warehouse. They're paying 20 22 bucks an hour. They're putting $8,000 a year towards people's tuition if they want to go back to college. Right? So there's a ton of really good stuff. There's also, especially, and this is where you're going to find it, especially in the poorest states, Normally run by the GOP. No offense to the GOP listeners that are out there, but when we look at the the data associated with red controlled states, they're normally the poorest. And they also also have the lowest wages, and so Amazon is going to go in there. And why do people order from Amazon? It's the same reason that they order from or buy from Walmart. It's cheap. It's less expensive. Yeah, I always have and this. At the uh... end of the day, that's good too. So how do we balance that? And and I don't have a good answer to it. <laughs> right. When you figure that out, then run again and run on that. Um, right, yeah. and it's it's interesting too. You can you can uh, 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 you can associate this with small business and Amazon. And small businesses take take advantage of Amazon. Also, like I can get all my stuff cheaper at Amazon, or I can get all my stuff cheaper at Walmart. But that's the big business. You should go shop at the mom and dad shops. Uh, you could do that with farming as well, right? Like a the the dairy farm that efficiently produces a bunch of milk. Uh, is going to be, that milk's going to be cheaper than the small mom and pop farm that has a hundred cows and and they're doing it manually. 
uh, semi-manually, I should say. And, you know, is that more efficient? Is that better for the environment? Is that better? Should we maybe get, get away from those kind of farms? And blasphemy if I even if you bring up the subject, but um, I'll, I'll end it there. We got to take, we got to take a news break. We're going to continue with Adam Murphy. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line where Adam Murphy on with me, uh, political blowhard, I, but he's, he's really good on economic policy. Should we call it policy economics in general? I mean, you, you literally studied this stuff, right, Adam? I, I do. I still am. I'll be back in in class in in the fall, finishing up my master's, and you know, yeah, it's it's a kind of understand data. I, I think is really what it comes down to. Policy policy is different. Policy is psychology. So is economics. At the end of the day, um, but you know, if we're not paying attention to the data and don't understand it, I had somebody arguing with me over you know COVID data, and I'm like, listen, when we look at everything since vaccines have come out and Biden has been in, the GOP controlled states have more deaths per capita. You can't argue it. And he's like, I don't agree. I'm like, you don't get to agree or disagree. This is not one of those, you know, vanilla versus chocolate. This is, here's the data. Um, So that's what I try to do is to, you know, crunch through the data. All right. And we're going to talk about inflation in a minute, but Eric from Sparta has been waiting patiently. Eric, go ahead. You're on with Adam. Go. Oh, yeah. Thank you for taking my call, Rick. Um, Hyper funds are going to run out and they want to build a $1 billion school out there. They want to fund the homeless. When the money runs out, who, who ends up paying for that? The taxpayers of La Crosse who are, are already overtaxed. Are, are you going to pay for it? Or are your guests going to come out and say, we got an answer for that? That'd be a really, that would be really wonderful to hear what he has to say about that. All Thank right. you, Rick. Thank you for taking my call. All right. Thank, thanks, Eric. Wow. Um, you did not get the full Eric from Sparta there, Adam, but I'll, 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 run you, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed here. I had the teachers' union president on yesterday. Lacrosse is going through uh, thinking about putting on a, on a, putting up a referendum. I guess I don't know how to say it. One hundred ninety three million dollars school referendum. They want to consolidate the school system, turn two high schools into one, build a new high school on the on on some land on the south side. And uh, in, in the midst of all that, teachers want to raise. They can only get a raise of four point seven percent, which is the CPIU, but that's from months ago and the district is offering 2% and they're at an impasse there. And what else did he talk about? I think like, we'll just go from there. Like school funding in the, in the state is, is not up to what it needs to be. And then we have to go to the public and ask for more money, Uh, you know, on top of property taxes, we actually have to ask for more money to, to get the schools up to, up to par. So I I can't speak for, for you guys specifically in the cross. But generally speaking, when we talk about K-12 education, the payback to uh, to society is, I and I believe it's $1.40. I could be a little bit off on that, but I think that's the number for every dollar spent. So it's literally an investment. Um, when we look at college, it's, it tends to be even higher. Uh, we, and, you know, because then we really get into a massive change and, and difference in wages. Uh, you know, a four-year degree on average is about $600,000 more over the course of a lifetime. So a million and a quarter, in, or uh, excuse me, 125000 in taxes paid in, which is more than college. But when we, when we look at K-12, and this is, I, I understand your, uh, Eric's comment about, right, who's going to pay for it. And, and that's always the challenge. And, because there's a disconnect in time, 
is we're going to be paying for it now, but we're not going to see the benefits from it until several years down the road, until those kids, you know, are out of high school and they're working. But the, the math on it, the data on, on education, and I can't emphasize this enough, it is absolutely a huge return on investment. Like I said, I think in K-12 education, it's a dollar forty for every dollar we spent. It is absolutely worth it at, in the end. It's just we got to pay for it up front. But it is an investment, not an expense. Yeah, and then it's how do you pay for it? I mean, if we, does the state, do we all pool our money into one pile? And then we do we do universal public education or do we do this by county through property taxes? I, you know, like, and when will that change? Because it doesn't seem to be a model that's working. Property taxes is, it's the standard across the country and it's such a terrible way of funding schools. And and it's, it's bad for two reasons. When, in, when you have the, the poorest communities, and, and I don't know, you know, La Crosse and, and the, the district in the area around there from a financial aspect. Obviously, I'll just, the city of La Crosse is I'll, one of the larger cities. I'll just throw a number at you. Like half the students are at the poverty level where they're getting, you know, food help. Okay. <laughs> like they're getting free lunch programs, stuff right. like that. Right. Okay. So here's what we know, is that in the, in the poorest communities... Consequently, the houses are generally worth less. The property taxes are less. You know, you guys have, I would, uh, you know, if we look at taxes on farmland, for example, that's oftentimes significantly lower. Um, And so the amount of money going towards students, if we're only paying property taxes in the poorest is the least, which means that they get the poorest education. You've got the the teachers that paid the least, which means that they don't want to stay in their jobs, right? And it's just this downward spiral. The flip side is in the wealthiest areas. They have the most expensive homes, the highest taxes, the highest property taxes for schools, which means that they have the best schools. They have the most money to throw at it. They have the opportunities, right? They have the pools and the track and field and, and you know, my old high school, you know, the stadiums and, and stuff. It's, it's, it's insane um, when, you, when you get into it. And so that spirals upward, right? Those very same people that go to those schools then have the greatest opportunity for more wealth down the road. And then, of course, they want to stay in those communities, recycle their money back in. Mm -hmm. And so doing it via property taxes is absolutely the worst of both scenarios where it it concentrates wealth and it takes away opportunity from those who, who have the least, which is where we need to put it. Um, so I would absolutely love to see it unified across the state. And, and you know, ideally, you'd love to see it uh, done across the country where there's federal money that goes. You know, every state is, is a little bit different, of course. Um, but um, it, the educational opportunities are so imbalanced, right, so, uh, so, so split between the wealthy and the poor. And it's colossally stupid for our economy. Right, for and for society, right? Uh, it, it's just it, it's awful. Um, and when will it change? Will it change? I honestly don't know because who doesn't want it to change? The wealthy don't want it to change because right. then you're going to be taking money away from their wealthiest school districts and putting it towards the poorest school districts. And quote unquote, that's not fair. Well, at the end of the day, what makes society a whole lot better in every capacity is education. Adam Murphy on with us. We're going to go to the phones here. Andy's calling in. Andy, thanks for waiting. You're on. Hey, uh, so I was talking to the mayor yesterday, and I remember we were talking about the homeless situation, and he, in my mind, was basically saying, well, the homeless people uh, have these things that prevent them from participating in the market, so I, as mayor, am going to expand, basically, the market. But I really felt like he was kind of sidestepping me in that, well, like, when we have people go through bankruptcy, right, you have, like, a set of credit scores, a pool of people who are, are, are in a normal pool, right, for, like, 
credit scores and stuff like that. And once you go through bankruptcy or something bad happens to you, you're essentially isolated into a second pool. You're not. You're no longer compared to the normal pool of people for credit. You're compared to other people who've also gone through bankruptcy. And when we were talking about creating this little homeless community at Huska, putting them to work, I don't. I feel like we should be basically recognizing that and saying, hey. The homeless people essentially don't fit into the normal market for housing. We need to create a new market for them so that they can be housed. I just wanted to see what you guys might think of that idea. All right. I got to bring you up to speed on this one, too, Adam. I had the mayor on Monday, and uh, we have about, I think the estimates are 180, but the mayor wasn't even sure that was accurate. I think one of the other news organizations put that out. Um, but but they're all congregated in one of our parks here just because it's easier for the entities that help the homeless to be able to just go to one place to kind of, you know, gauge that situation and help. Um, but we're, we're also, the city is trying to purchase a building to do bridge housing where it's like the middle, the middle uh-huh. part of, you know, bridge housing. So you, you start there and then you work your way into being independent. Um, as they're, as the city is doing that entities, one one person went and swooped up the building that the city wanted to buy. So the, a private buyer came in and went, "No, we're not doing that there." Essentially, that's what they essentially did. It's not. Uh, I don't want that there. I'm just going to buy that building, and I, I don't even know what happened. It's the Chamber of Commerce building here in town. But then, uh, so the city is trying to find another property to to do this bridge housing. But at this point, you know, there you know, there's there's not great prospects. They're still looking. But yeah, the, so so the uh, and then the and, t- and the mayor had met with. Uh, the landlords in the community, and he just he kind of put out like, I know I know you don't you, you there's so many people need housing that the homeless the people that have you know black marks on their record they're not going to go to the top of the list of of getting the you know the the rent application they're not going to the top there. We're trying right. to solve. And it always comes down to, uh, you know, it's not fair, right? If this guy's living on the street, why should he get help when somebody that's got a job playing minimum wage that, you know, it can't, it isn't enough, but he's at least working. Why shouldn't that guy not get help? Yeah. And, 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 and they're both legitimate points, right? And, and there's this perspective of either or, right? We can either do this or we can do that. And, and again, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use some data associated with this is that what we know is, is that similar to those that don't have health care, those who don't have homes cost us several times more than if we actually paid for their housing or several times more than if we actually paid for their health care. So it costs us more for them to be homeless. It costs us more for them not to have health insurance. It costs us more. You mentioned, you know, Amazon and, and uh, you know, all the help that, that people have to get working at Amazon uh, or, you know, Walmart is another example. It costs us more if we actually had housing for them and everything that has to go along with that. And that's also part of the, well, that's not fair. Why are they getting a house and why are they getting food and stuff? Well, it it actually costs us less to actually do that. And it gives them the opportunity to get back into the community or to get into a job or, you know, to to improve. It's really hard. We've got a a homeless um, uh, service down here in Milwaukee uh, called Street Angels, and I, I do what I can to support them. And one of the things, so here's an Amazon thing for you, as a matter of fact. They have an Amazon wish list. So it's an easy way for people, because we can donate money, but you can also, if you want, it, it makes you feel as though you're a little bit more involved, and, and I admit, hey, it's still just money at the end of the day. But they have an Amazon wish list. So I bought, I, 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 I literally bought Amazon out of the tents that they were asking for. Mm-hmm. But 
think about that for a moment. These are these are one man tents, right? That that they're giving to, to homeless to help them survive winter in Wisconsin. That doesn't give you the opportunity to do anything else. Um, and for me to spend, you know, forty five bucks a tent or whatever they were, and, and send a bunch of them, is is the least that I can do. But in the grand scheme of things, putting them in a home, putting them in a, a shelter where there's heat and where there's water and where there's you know, the opportunity to, to get out of homelessness. You can't get out of homelessness if you live in a tent under a bridge. Right. So, and it costs us all more money, right? And so I don't care if you want to look at it from the let's do the right thing or if you want to look at it from the economic perspective, and I do both, let's do the right thing. Because it's the smart economic thing to do, it costs us less. Same thing with universal health care. Same thing with education. It's all investment. It's not handouts. And that's, that's the, the, the psychological perspective, right? It, it's handouts. Well, that's not handouts if it actually makes us money or if it at least costs us less. Let's be smarter with our money. That's Adam Murphy. we got to take a break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Adam Murphy on with me. We're going to get to this, Adam, because I take calls and then they derail the show, and that's fine. Um, but when I have a guest on and we want to talk about inflation, then we never get to it. We talk about homeless and schools. But uh, inflation rate, price index soared to 9.1% over the past year. That's the story out of the AP. It's the biggest yearly increase since 1981. Uh, anytime I hear that, you know, we're paying more for everything, all I can say is all these companies are making record profits. Why aren't we doing something about the record profits if they're just bilking us for all our money out of our pockets and t- and taking it for themselves? How come how come nobody how come the government isn't doing anything about that? Is that the problem? All these corporations are making record profits and blaming inflation for the high prices. Um, yes and no. There's there's a political answer for you, right? I'm, I I ran as a Democrat, but I'm also a business owner. I'm, I'm a capitalist who believes in making profit. I don't have a problem making profit. Um, uh, I know. Uh, so, 2021. Uh, I think it was. I think it was globally. The oil companies made like 184 billion dollars. It was the big headlines all over the place, and that's continued. I used Exxon as an example in in 2021. Exxon made 23 billion dollars, so they're the biggest U.S. oil company. 23 billion dollars in profit. But in 2020, in the fourth quarter of 2020, during COVID, they lost 20 billion dollars. So there's this massive ebb and flow, and and a lot of it has been associated with COVID. Are they making a ton of money right now? Yes, a lot of it is actually in the refineries. Are you Um, saying their oil prices have come? Are you saying they're recoup? Are you are they recouping their money they lost? Because shouldn't they have a rainy day fund like I do? Well, and they did, and and they had access to right. Businesses don't normally have a big rainy day fund. Apple has a couple hundred billion dollars on hand, but most businesses don't. Most businesses have a line of credit, mm-hmm. and that's what they had to tap. Exxon tapped their line of credit. We as consumers, uh, maybe you've got a line of credit, right? I as a business owner, I have a small one, uh, right? Or you use your credit card, or maybe you don't, um, and then welcome to bankruptcy, which is something we talked about earlier. Um, but. Energy prices, and so let me let me pull up the June numbers. By the way, for, for people that want to delve into this, and I know that we don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is bls.gov. Right now, on the very the homepage is the Consumer Price Index Summary and all the data about it and all the links to it. And it's 
most people don't have a clue what it is, and it's really fascinating because it's food, it's energy, it's home prices, it's uh, rent, it's, and they get all the way down to, like, donuts, and I'm literally not even kidding, right? So if you want to see how much the price of, of meat has gone up, beef versus veal versus chicken, you can do that. And it's important, and it, and it really gives us some interesting data. And here's one I think that is really going to affect probably your listeners the most. Gas prices are 60% higher than they were a year ago, and that was in June. They've come down significantly, right? They've come down like 20%. So we're going to see less inflation next month. Um, but fuel oil prices, which, right, we're not dealing with heating much right now, of course, but fuel oil prices are up 98% since last year in June. That's something that's going to affect your listeners, potentially, right? And the energy overall, so when we get into gasoline and electric, electricity, um, utility gas services, so for those of us that are using, you know, uh, natural gas, 38%. Um, so the energy companies, it's the biggest jump. What's important to understand is that this only makes up 8.5% of the CPI, right? So all of these, so while it's up 41% overall for energy, it only uh, references, it only refers to 8.5%. So some of the biggest things that actually really are affecting um, inflation right now has been price of housing and price of rent going up. And that's been 23% for housing. And that's because house prices have gone up while inflation or while rates have been really, really low. That's all going to stop because interest rates are climbing up. Um, home interest rates are up to you know 5% and, and going up. So we're going to see housing sales slow. We're, ideally, we should see gas prices, like I said, they're under oil prices are under 100 bucks, um, uh, and that'll probably stay for a little while, barring anything really bizarre happening with Russia. And the, But the other place that we're going to see an increase is in um, wheats and breads, and that's because of Russia and Ukraine. They provide 30 to 40 percent of the world's wheat, and while it won't affect the U.S. directly because we don't import much, the countries that do import a lot of it are still going to need to import it from somewhere, which means that that's going to drive up prices because they're going to be willing to pay more, just regular supply and demand. And that means that U.S. farmers are going to be more willing to send U.S. grain out of the country um, where prices are higher. So we're going to see gas prices come down. We're going to see food prices go up. Hopefully we'll see housing prices come up, down. And I would expect in the next couple of months we'll at least see in, uh, the, the CPI will come down. Maybe it'll, it'll be up you know, a few percent, but it'll come down. All right. I, the, the stuff's all like, we, we need the whole show to do this. And I, I actually want to get into some of the, the Senate races as, as well, but uh, maybe we should be importing wheat because if you, you read anything about Roundup being in everybody's uh, uh, bloodstream and urine stream well, right now. So, so there's that as well. Maybe we shouldn't be using. Um, all right. We're going to take one more break and we're going to talk about the Senate race with Adam Murphy. Now. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Continue our conversation here with Adam Murphy. Uh, obviously, you were running for Senate, so let's just kind of get an update on on where we're at with the Senate debate. News since I, I've been on vacation, Adam, so I've been back three days now, just slowly easing in. Uh, but news over my break, and and I I want to say it was last week, but now I just everything's running together. Was some of the Senate candidates because we had like over a dozen, and now we're down to like five or seven or eight, somewhere around there. Uh, you might <laughs> yep. be the only person that knows actually because I've had Senate candidates on uh, people running for Senate against Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. And they don't even know, like I had Mandela Barnes on a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, how many people are running? And he's like, oh, a handful. <laughs> and I was like, so you don't know. And he just kind of laughed. 
Um, but you know, like it's it's it makes sense a little bit because you don't if you're running a campaign on what you're going to do and and not just going after everybody else. Is that maybe maybe that's why nobody knows how many people are running for Senate in the race itself? Well, when you talk strategy, it was uh, so Tom Nelson's one of the candidates, right? He's the Outagamie County exec, yep. and he's probably fourth out of the you know twenty seven that are running. And he came out a while ago, uh, three, four months ago, and he said, let's do a debate, right? He really wanted to have a debate with all the candidates. And he put it out on social media and on Twitter and Facebook, just everywhere. And and he tagged all of us in it. And the only people that responded were those of us, uh, for instance, I was polling at about 1% at that time. We call them Um, the bottom feeders, you bottom feeders. Right, right. right. (laughs) I was the bottom 1%, right? We were in the bottom 1%. And I was was the best of the bottom feeders, right, which is, is quite a statement, I realize. And so the people that were interested, like Peter Pekarski, who is who is one of the guys that's still running, uh, he's a lawyer down here in Milwaukee, and he was like, "Yes, I'm in." And uh, you know, Stephen Olacara, uh, who's who's actually still in the race, and he's now at the best of the bottom feeders. Right? He was like, "Yes." None of the other ones up above, Tom, so Sarah Godlewski, um, uh, Alex Lazary, or Mandela Barnes, even bothered to respond. Because when you are the lead dog, you don't want to even acknowledge that the other dogs exist. Right. Because that just gives them breathing air, right? That just that, that lets other people know that you're that you're concerned about them or you're aware of them. Yeah, they're and they're on your they're on your level. They're you absolutely know. absolutely. And you don't want to give them credit. When I ran in twenty twenty, it was the same thing. I was running for state senate. I was a thirty percent underdog because of gerrymandering. So my opponent refused to even breathe my name, didn't even acknowledge that I existed, and it made perfect sense. And that's the same thing that, that Barnes is doing. So right now you've got Alex Lazary and Mandela Barnes, who are the top two. Um, then you've got Sarah Goodlewski and Tom Nelson, who are both going to be polling somewhere around 3 4 5%. Um, you've got Stephen Olacara, who's still in the race. So those are the five that will be in the, Demo- <laughs> excuse me, the Democratic debate this weekend. Um, which I think is on Sunday. It's hosted by uh, uh, WTMJ down here in Milwaukee. So those five are, are going to have a debate. And Stephen Olacara uh, fought to get into it. And there's, so there are three other candidates that aren't going to be there. And that's Peter Pekarski, I said, is a lawyer down here. Uh, there's Ku Lee, so that's K-O-U-L-E-E, is his, uh, Lee is his last name. And, and Ku's fantastic. And if you're not familiar with him, just look him up. He's got a, an amazing story. Well, you know, his parents brought him across the river and and, um, and, we, and you do that because we live here uh alex it's the coolie we live in the coolie so right. saying saying coolie people are like wait what so that's what? that's why we make that <laughs> yeah his last name is lee look him up um his his parents literally uh, brought him across the river from cambodia when when, when he was a child i mean an amazing story and, and a super cool guy just as a human being regardless of what do you think is politics and, and and he's a standard democrat for the most part and um, Daryl Williams, uh, the last guy. Oh yeah, and Daryl Williams. Uh, and Daryl Williams has been in education. He's he's been in the military. He's been a principal. Um, and and I've enjoyed. Uh, I had enjoyed getting to know Daryl. But what TMJ said and decided because they're the ones running the debate. This is not being run by the Democratic State Party or anything like that. It's just um, so whomever wants to run things. Uh, for instance, the Milwaukee County Democratic Party was going to have a debate, and I just got an email today that they've canceled it. Um, but TMJ said you have to have 5,000 individual donors in order for you to participate in the debate. And for the big dogs, that's no big deal, right? Uh, Mandela Barnes has, uh, you know, support from D.C. Uh, 
so does so does Alex Lazary, Tom Nelson, and Sarah Gabuski have been at this for a while. It's not a big deal, but but um, uh, for Stephen Olakara, he really had to work hard, but he got his five thousand donors, and he'll be part of it. And if and for those that are interested in watching, um, I think he'll be really interesting. And I say this, I, I, a kind of an analysis, not as as a Democrat, but just as a political analysis. The the top four are all pretty much going to sound the same. They're going to give the same answers. Um, Tom Nelson is going to rip on the millionaires and the billionaires because Sarah Gadlewski is worth somewhere between 26 and 60 million. Alex Lazar is worth a couple hundred million. Um, and, and that's been his spiel. Uh, you're going to hear the same thing from, uh, from Mandela Barnes. But when it comes to unions, when it comes to health care, when it comes to education, when it comes to Roe v. Wade, when it comes to um, codifying Roe v. Wade and making it you know, national law, uh, when it comes to the filibuster, they're all going to say the exact same thing. Stephen Olakara is also going to – he believes in a lot of that stuff, but he's coming at it from a very different perspective, similar to, to mine. When, when I was running. And the hard part there is in the primaries, and this doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, so for Republicans listening, this is important for you guys to understand too, is only about 20% of people vote in the primaries. It's a really, really small percentage. And it's generally the people that are the most dedicated politically, right? They're the right. most left or they're the most right. Um, and unfortunately, or for, you know, in my opinion, you almost have to pander to that group. So you're going to hear most of the candidates being much farther left than maybe they really are. Well, that's, but they're certainly going to go that way. And same thing on the right. Well, that's the conversation. Yeah, and so you say same thing on the right. I've had this conversation uh, before. We, we see these uh, governor candidates, yep. Clayfish, Michaels, we see them push further and further to the right. And a story, I think, out today, Tim Michaels you know, wouldn't he wouldn't rule out decertifying the 2020 election because we got to push that because he's trying to win the Republican primary and all the 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 big all the you know the political junkies is what Ron Kine calls all the political junkies want to are, are the ones that are going to vote and they're going to be Republican and you want to get as Republican as you can and but my theory is do they do those people reel back. When when it comes to the statewide election, do those people kind of bring come back to the middle a little bit? Uh, the Democratic Party chair here in La Crosse County said, nope, they're just going to try to get only Republicans to come to the polls when it comes to the statewide race. Yep. And and that's one of the big differences between the GOP. And, and I've said this before, I make a real big distinction between the GOP as a political party and conservative voters. Right. But this is what you're going to see from the GOP. They are absolutely here in Wisconsin going to continue to hammer that. Every one of the gubernatorial candidates is on board with it. And, and they are going to absolutely hammer it because that is the most, I don't know that rabbit is the right term, and I apologize to your listeners for using that term, but those are the, the, that's the, the, the red meat right, right there. For the Democrats, that's not the case. Going farther and farther left is not what attracts the vast majority of Democrats and certainly isn't going to what won't attract the moderate conservatives, right? Or some of the more moderate uh, libertarians that, that, or, you know, that might look at things uh, a little bit differently, but the GOP absolutely will because it's about half of their base right now. Um, it's a much, much larger percentage of the, the GOP base and they vote incredibly active and they're incredibly loud and they donate, right? Trump got $250 million lying to people about 
um, about the election. That's what they're going to continue to do because it makes them a ton of money. Yeah, I will say that the, the, the one thing you say about Democrats, they won't go too far to the left. I think the teeter-totter is, is, is the, the middle of the teeter-totter is way to the right here in the United States as compared to other countries. Because when you're talking about like health care, you know, I think all these candidates want some kind of universal health care and stuff like that. Yep. All completely normal in every other part of the world that, you know, <laughs> similar comparisons. And then in the United States, that's far left. <laughs> so right. we've we just been duped. And so the teeter-totter, the middle of the teeter-totter is way to the right when it comes, or maybe it's way to the left. Right? I, don't, I don't know which way, uh, but, but, our, but our, I'm trying to I, I understand what you mean. Uh, yeah, it's both sides have gotten tighter, but the right has moved much farther right. And that makes everybody to the left of them appear much, much farther left. But when we actually just run through the data, and, and we've talked about this, the right has moved much farther right, and it makes everybody look way farther left. And really, most moderate Democrats and much of the rest of the world would actually be considered right of center. <laughs> All right, that's Adam Murphy. We are just just our, our monthly pundit. We'll just call you a pundit night right now, Adam. Uh, awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Rick, it's always a pleasure. I really look forward to catching you next month after the primaries. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow, of course.